Well, as the Omicron numbers continue to rise, so does the level level of concern regarding our hospitals, not only when it comes to capacity, but also when it comes to staffing as more and more healthcare workers are unfortunately testing positive and needing some time away from the job. Dr. Adam Kasim is the president of the Ontario Medical Association, and he joins us once again here on Global News Radio. Doctor, good afternoon and Happy New Year. Jeff, good to be back with you. Happy New Year to you as well. And apparently this is the last day I can say that to people, so I'm taking advantage just like you are. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, listen, first off, just uh, can you give us an update as to how bad things are when it comes to staffing right now in Ontario hospitals? Do we have some sort of percentage of healthcare uh, workers, the workforce currently unavailable? I think that right now we are in a situation that where we have unprecedented demand on our healthcare system due to the rapid rises you're describing in cases of this highly transmissible variant. Now, this is coupled with a health human resource crunch, primarily due to healthcare staff, so that's doctors, nurses, other staff that have to isolate due to exposure or illness due to Omicron. Uh, Percentage-wise, I think Dr. Moore was describing potentially uh, to the order of 30 to 40 percent, but that really varies uh, institution to institution. And so this perfect storm has created a great strain on our healthcare system, both in hospitals that you were originally describing there, Jeff, but also in the community. So within uh, a family doctor's office or a pediatrician's clinic or a, a colonoscopy suite, for example, th- this essential staff is also experiencing exposure risks in the same way that hospitals are. Funny you mentioned the word perfect storm because that's exactly what I was going to ask you next. Is this the perfect storm we're seeing right now with Omicron that at the same time that we're seeing admissions rise in hospitals, doctor, that we're also seeing, unfortunately, a reduction in services and staffing because healthcare workers, well, they get sick too. Well, they're both linked, obviously, in terms of having to isolate as a result of exposure to the virus. And this is all of the the rocky and bumpy start that we've had to 2022. This is sort of the bad news. The good news, and I think it's important to focus as best as we can on some of the positivity around here, which is, uh, first of all, we are in a fundamentally different place than we were a year ago. We have access to the vaccine. We know three doses are better than two, which is why this booster shot campaign over the past several weeks uh, and, and which will continue into the, in the weeks ahead is so essential. I spent part of my Christmas and, and New Year's holiday season uh, putting doses in arms. And I would say that Uh, That is our major task at hand, trying to make sure that we can get people as fully vaccinated as possible, ensuring that the booster shot campaign rolls out smoothly as best as we can and ultimately protecting our communities. Yeah, Can you give us an update as to what the situation is currently when it comes to ICUs in the province and ICU capacity? And amongst those that are in ICU, is it still overwhelmingly the unvaccinated? So the unvaccinated tend to still land in the ICU at a higher frequency and percentage compared to those who are vaccinated. And so this pattern continues. One of the things I think is important to recognize with Omicron, and this is being borne out across jurisdictions, including South Africa and the United Kingdom, uh, Omicron tends to be less virulent and so present potentially less severe disease that would require mechanical ventilation. What is being seen across the sector right now is um, people requiring hospital admissions for things like oxygen um, administration that are usually on normal hospital floors. And so when you have simultaneous growth and potentially exponential growth of people needing hospital admissions and perhaps not necessarily ICU admissions, that still presents a great strain and a challenge for our healthcare system to, to deal with. Yeah. Are we anywhere near kind of the danger zone when it comes to ICU uh, capacity or is the next couple of weeks, next few weeks, is that going to be really telling? 
I think the next couple of weeks, as you're describing, Jeff, uh, with lagging indicators uh, that we've all learned and talked about for, for quite some time now will sort of be the, um, the general metric. I know that that's sort of where we're placing a lot of our emphasis right now. It's hospitalizations, it's ICU admission and capacity. And what does that even look like even broader across the sector? Can we take care of patients who still need to be in hospital, but not necessarily in the ICU? And so that's where I think the focus over the next couple of weeks is going to remain. I wanted to also ask you, a doctor, you and I have talked about this uh, in the past, about uh, healthcare workers, healthcare burnout, and the latest Omicron wave, of course, has been so tough on so many of us, uh, particularly when it came just before the holiday uh, season and seemingly, I think, for a lot of us out of nowhere. Just how tough has this been on the healthcare system and healthcare workers? And is burnout, is it, do you think, as big a factor as it's ever been? I think Burnout is uh, a crisis that we need to focus on in the sector. There's no doubt that that COVID and, and multiple waves and, and repeated uh, isolation and, and workplace environments have created, um, you know, cause for concern at alarming rates. I also want your listeners to know that everyone has sacrificed. I think that's the public, that's small business, it's retail, restaurants, gyms, schools, students. I think everyone has sacrificed. And so it's not lost on me and not lost on our members, on our physicians, that everyone in society has been dealing with this, and we're all trying to focus on our collective humanity to try and and get through this as best as we can. All right, I only got about 30 seconds, but your message to everyone listening right now, again, is if you haven't got it yet, if you're eligible, please get your booster. Get your vaccine, whether it's your first, second, or third dose, please go and get it. We know that they're effective. We know that they're safe. The data is emerging that even vaccines right now um, being placed will help to prevent people landing in in the ICU and having a severe outcome. We know that they, the vaccines are extremely beneficial. So please, I implore everyone who's listening who hasn't gotten a shot or is thinking about it to either reach out to a doctor or a loved one um, to, to, to have that conversation and, and get and get your booster. All right, doctor, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Jeff, take care. You too. Dr. Adam Kassam is president of the Ontario Medical Association. And we're back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.